Hello, welcome to Would Like to Meet podcast. I'm your host, Mairead Lockman, matchmaker and dating specialist and the founder of lovehq.ie. I've successfully sent over 6,000 people on dates since 2016 with countless engagements, babies, marriages, long-term relationships and millions of kisses along the way. This podcast will help men and women to embrace their single life, ensure positive dating experiences, have great relationships, never miss a romantic opportunity again, and most of all, help you to find real long-term love with your someone special. So today we're joined by Sabina Brennan, health psychologist and neuroscientist and the host of the Super Brain podcast and best-selling author. Very welcome to Would Like to Meet podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Look, I suppose we'll start off by tell us a little bit about yourself and what is a neuroscientist and what do they do? So, yeah, neuroscientists are people who, they're scientists, I suppose, who have a specialised knowledge of the brain and the rest of the nervous system. Um, But they come from multiple disciplines. So you can have physiologists, biologists, um, uh, psychologists like myself. Uh, It depends on what level uh, of the brain they're studying, you know. So it's really about studying health and disease in the brain. And uh, I mean, I'm a health psychologist primarily. uh, And so I'm interested in the relationship between the brain and human behavior. I mean, since I was a kid, I've always just been interested in why we do what we do. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Obviously, what I do kind of overlaps into that a lot because meeting people, you're you can never quite predict what people are going to do, say, act, even the most, we'll say, accomplished people or confident of people. You can often get a panicked phone call an hour before a date. So I am very interested in talking with you today. From the world of dating and meeting people um, and love, what would you like people to know about neuroscience from that aspect? Well, I suppose, yeah, that I, I suppose for centuries, the love has been associated with the heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose in a way that comes from, you know, your beating heart, you know, and, and yeah. like if you think of when you see somebody that you fancy, you know, your heart races and your palms get sweaty yes. and maybe you stumble over words and actually you might even stumble, you know, and be yes. a bit clumsy and all the rest. And so we've we heard kinda, all sorts of stories along the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you kind of think that's physical, but like, everything that you do is uh, originates in your brain like you know it, it really does it's sort of the master controller so and we tend to think about sex as sort of involving our nether regions but like your brain really is the organ of love and and sex and I kind of find that fascinating you know that that like you've got 86 billion brain cells wow right they're called neurons and you've got trillions of connections between them and they communicate with each other and with the cells in the rest of your body through electrical and chemical signalings signals so uh, the primary function of the brain is to communicate information whether that information is coming in or information from the brain going out you know to influence uh, behavior and it's bi-directional it works kind of works kind of both ways um and so the brain uses these chemicals called neurotransmitters uh, to communicate and also hormones. They're, they're chemical messengers. It's so yeah, so ever... love is kind of a drug. It is chemical when we say it that. It is. Anyway, that ever listens to me, I'm all t- talking about pheromones and all sorts of things. So what exactly happens? Say you bump into someone and you like them. What happens from there? So that kind of depends in a way. And I mean, the thing is, you know, neuroscience is a relatively new 
yes. discipline. So, I mean, we only know bits. Do you know what I mean? We I know, know but and, I think, and some interesting I bits. I think we always kind of knew there was something there. Like we, like we talk about falling in love. We don't talk about walking into love. You know, we understood that we kind of lose control a little bit. Like very often people say to me, I'm fine if I meet a random person that I don't care about, but if there's someone that I fancy, I just get verbal diarrhea or I act like an idiot. <laughs> and like it's the one time they often say to me, they can hear me saying, just be normal, you know, just be normal. They're like, I'm trying to be normal, you know. Yeah, that's part of it. That's actually because um, uh, your, your frontal lobe is the frontal part of your brain. That's the rational thinking part of your brain. That kind of gets shut down a bit when you're, when you fall in love or you're in the early throes of a relationship. Yeah. But if you look at the way it's kind of been studied is if you look at uh, lust mm-hmm. and then attraction as okay. they're two slightly different things, you know, and they are different chemically, uh, which is kind of interesting. So lust is driven by the sex hormones, okay. testosterone and estrogen. And a lot of people think they are male and female hormones, but like you know, we've loads, women have loads of testosterone okay. um, uh, and, 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 and vice versa. So, so um, they're called the sex hormones, but actually they're involved mm-hmm. in lots of other things like learning and memory and you've oh, loads of sex okay. hormone receptors, estrogen and testosterone receptors throughout your brain. Okay. You know, that's a whole other story yes, though. Okay. But um, basically it's the hypothalamus, which is a part of your brain that stimulates the re- release of those sex hormones mm-hmm. and drives, um, you know, sexual desire. Yes. But that like from a, from an evolutionary perspective, that comes from the need to reproduce, reproduce. Okay. you know, um, testo- testosterone really just, you know, increases libido in, in both men and women. Mm-hmm. Estrogen less so, but some women do report an increase in sex drive around the time they ovulate. Yes. Okay. And that's probably related to the higher levels of estrogen your body crying out for you to yeah, have yeah and i suppose the same can happen <laughs> single women are like oh not another sign <laughs> <laughs> but also then i suppose that happens in a way in a reverse way you know for women going through menopause the reduction in estrogen can okay. impact on libido as well um, so then when it comes to attraction there's two other chemicals um, kick in uh, and some of these are neurotransmitters some of them are hormones and some of them are neurotransmitters and hormones okay, so there's um, a lot going on there's a lot going yeah. on so neurotransmitters act very quickly hormones kind of are like um, they they sort of influence they, they have a slower impact but they influence overall moods and feelings okay. and they their job is to ensure that every part of your body is sort of on the same page okay. whereas the neurotransmitters kind of do the very instant stuff you okay. know do you know move your hand you know or, yeah. or, or, or whatever your heart very, jumping yeah. sort of stuff yeah 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 well that and that's related to this in attraction so the okay. two main chemicals involved in attraction are dopamine and uh, noradrenaline okay. so it's the noradrenaline because that's normally involved in the fight or flight response yeah. So that gets your heart racing and your sweat, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's whether you're going to stand there and say hello or duck into the toilet or run, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or run. Well, that's, that is why yeah. some people do feel fearful. I think you, we've all gone through it in yeah. life. Like, will I just duck or will I actually say, you know, yeah, what will I do? Yeah. 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 And, I mean, it's stressful. And, and so noradrenaline is, 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 is involved in the stress response. But like life, like people... People, like stress is given a really bad name. You know, we talk about stress as if it's a really bad thing. But only poorly managed chronic stress is bad. And it is very bad for your brain and your health, physical health and your mental health. But too little stress is really, really bad for your brain. And it's also bad for your mental health. Too little stress will give rise to boredom, depression. Mm -hmm. And um, also your brain can't afford to waste energy on brain cells it's not using. So um, you lose brain volume, which is not 
not a good thing. Like your brain yes. will shrink, shrink. So your brain needs stress. It needs challenge. It needs an optimal Activity. amount. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. So it's basically, I mean, you need the stress response to attain your goals, to achieve anything yes. in life. You know, you get a, a you get a, a spike of cortisol just before you wake up in the morning. That's what gets you out of bed in the morning. Okay. Um, so you need that. And I mean, life would be really boring if you didn't have those things. Like I actually, even in one of my books, I think how boring would life be if you never went on that first date? Yes. Do, do you know what I mean? If you never went for that job interview. Uh, it is terrifying for some people. So you do like and some people... It holds them back, I suppose, that yeah. feeling. And I think that's interesting. Um, the thing is, when we have a stressor, you know, unfortunately, the word stress is used <laughs> interchangeably to mean the thing that stresses us, the physiological stress response we feel, you know, yes. like the, 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 you know, the sweating and all those and the psychological stress okay, response. Yes. So I like to call the, the, the thing that we're stressed about a stressor or the threat. Okay. Okay. And then the physiological stress response is the release of cortisol, you know, that sets off that whole, and adrenaline that sets off that whole um, heart pounding and sweating mm -hmm. and the whole fight or flight response. And then the psychological stress response is the thinking about it. And that's defined really as um, uh, how we judge um, our ability to cope with that stressor. Okay. So where it's where we think that the the thing that we're concerned about, the stressor, exceeds our ability to cope. Okay? okay. Now, and it doesn't matter with psychological stress, it does not matter whether that threat is real or imagined. Okay. okay. So if you're going, oh, what if he thinks I'm ugly? Or what if he says this? Or Which what a lot if of people would do. And, oh, what if they don't fancy me? What you if know, they that don't initial, fancy yeah. me? What if we can't think of anything to talk about? That's going to kick off the actual stress response. Okay. okay? Now, when information comes into your brain, um, the threat, whether it's that thought or okay. an external thing, you know. Or um, actual danger. Or, yeah, yeah, or an actual danger. Um, it comes into your brain through two routes. Mm -hmm. A fast route and a slow route, okay? So the fast route goes straight to your amygdala, which is in... In, it's the fear centre and it's in an unthinking part of your brain. It's completely unconscious. Subcon okay. Yeah, unconscious. So basically, um, that's what will allow you to jump out of the way of a car, save your life, okay. run away when you, you know, when you hear a noise or duck if you hear a noise and you're yes. walking under scaffolding or something like that. Um, then the same information comes into your frontal lobes, which is the thinking part of your brain. And that's a really well-connected part of your brain. Um, it's connected to every single other parts of your brain basically so it can see the big picture okay? okay so say if it was a you know a noise that you'd heard and you thought it was a gunshot it can take in the whole big picture and go you know what that was just a car backfiring let's send a message to the hypothalamus and to okay, the brain so to shut off the stress response calm down okay it was a false alarm yes or oh shit there's a gunman yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. yeah we need to keep it going <laughs> okay, or, yes. or, or whatever so the thinking part of your brain has the capacity to override the unthinking part of your brain, okay. the reflexive. So the thinking part is reflective. The unthinking part is reflexive. Now, if you become chronically stressed, so you're you're always mm -hmm. stressed or you're always thinking the worst or, or whatever. Which some people can when it comes to dating. They can have nearly talked themselves into a fear point. Absolutely. Right up into it. OK, so basically what can happen that if that becomes prolonged and mm -hmm. um, Essentially, in very, very gross, broad terms, is your amygdala gets bigger and your frontal lobes get smaller. 
so basically what happens then is your amygdala starts to overrule your thinking brain okay. as opposed to the other way around and so you start to act reflexively as opposed of, as, as opposed to reflectively okay so you'll run okay yeah. <laughs> instead of going or you won't put yourself in the situation or you won't put yourself in the situation or whatever so really essentially if if you're kind of constantly living in that way you know it's good to kind of seek support get someone to help you along you know and in those situations somebody to talk you through it and somebody and actually even you know if someone has got very bad you know have dummy runs or you know do pretend things you know kind of just gradually expose yourself I think sometimes that's why I get people to come for a consultation with me in person right because there's a few different things one I get to see I have a first impression what they are genuinely like on their first impression um you know their body language how they walk into a room are they happy to see you do they greet you with a smile do they greet you terrified but also you know for some people that happened very rarely where they've cancelled it but a lot of people come to the consultation extremely nervous yeah I would imagine so it's just as part of the process it does help so it's good actually that you'd you'd say that because you know it does help overall yeah and I think you know I think you're exposing yourself in a way if you're going you know even to meet you you know because they've never met you in some way and 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 they're going to be talking it's the first step of the journey and you're talking about kind of personal stuff so that's always kind of going to come with um you know a certain element of stress but I think it's good to remind yourself that this is good this is really good for your brain if if, but you've got to keep it in you know within your you know just within your your, own comfort well actually just beyond your comfort zone okay is what push yourself a little bit just a little bit because if you stay in your comfort zone you may well for some people never go on that date never go for that job you know that's a problem and actually that's really just genuinely not good for your brain okay Um, you need challenge. So naturally, you need to be we doing all t- should be just pushing ourselves. Oh, more. naturally, everybody yeah. dating aside, we should be pushing ourselves beyond our comfort zone on lots of things. We okay. kind of need to keep learning. Your mm-hmm. brain needs to keep getting new experiences to update its information proce- yes. processing and and all that sort of thing. But the other chemical then that so that's the noradrenaline. That's, Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. So the other chemical that's involved in attraction is dopamine. Now I don't yes. know if you've heard about that before, I have, but that's yes. the reward chemical. Yes. So that gives you all the feel good. You know what's coming. Stuff next yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, yeah well I mean it's the, what you know censored version yes <laughs> yeah love sex but also food exciting things but also as well things that are not so good for you like okay. like cocaine use or you okay. know drug use or, or, or gambling so attraction and addiction yes uh, both operate on the uh, the reward centers in your brain yes so um, in in some way being attracted to someone is a little bit like being addicted to someone okay you well, know what I mean I'm, song comes to mind addicted well, we to love we have all you know. heard of uh, social media stalking and everything maybe there is a little bit of yeah yeah <laughs> you know, I mean, having a look anyway you know <laughs> again it's 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 Again, it's about the optimal amounts. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you know, I know. I, mean, I don't mean it in release. a bad way. I mean it in a maybe having a look at their profile, you know, to oh, yeah, have a little well, bit more to see uh, what's going on, you yeah, know. That's I think all right. I think that's kind of what most people are doing, but they just don't talk about it out loud, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That that's okay. That's okay. But I think it's just if it if 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 it gets too out of hand, you know, what can happen is that you you, you kind of can develop um, unhealthy kind okay. of okay. Um, uh, relationships but that that sort of applies um, to everybody I mean there's yes. interesting research that if you show photographs of 
someone you fancy. Yes. Someone, uh, you know, you have a participant in mm -hmm. your study and you show them a photograph of someone they fancy and a photograph of someone that um, they feel neutral about. Like the dopamine receptors, you, you know, the reward centers in the brain just fire like, like crazy ding, ding. Yeah. when they're just looking at that photograph <laughs> yes. and then just at ordinary levels when they look at the neutral photograph, you know. Um, interestingly, actually, in attraction, serotonin, which you've probably ordinarily heard as sort of as a happy hormone yes. or a feel-good hormone, that's actually reduced... Um, oh, in attraction. Okay, um, and that's why um, it, it's involved in appetite, um, for example, and and um, that's maybe why um, you mightn't feel like eating. You know, okay, yes, you know, like lots of people. Fortunately, I don't ever have that problem. But yes, <laughs> but, and then the noradrenaline can actually, you know, that's all about energy, and you're full of energy in life and exciting. But that also can interfere with your sleep. So people okay. like are lovesick. You know, yes. they can't eat, they can't sleep. But that's all sort of because. Um, the, the chemical reactions. If you have too much dopamine, then you can get into problematic uh, behaviours okay, in like terms what? of um, not being faithful, um, okay. you know, actually, you know, pushing towards adultery or um, okay. because I suppose it's the same thing as addiction. Do you know what I mean? It's so it's, More. it's the reward can come from risk. Do you, do you know oh, what I mean? Okay, so yes. most of us would kind of most of us would run from risk mm -hmm. um, uh, but some people are drawn to risk and that okay. applies in a lot of addiction so say gambling you know they kind of get a high um, from that from the dopamine um, and really interesting there's research that shows that a certain um, that there's a certain um, genetic element uh, to that okay uh, you know the likelihood How does that, that work? you'll, you'll um, well there's a particular gene um, and it's 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 lettered, um, you know, it's the D something, yeah, the D or D four gene, and okay. um, that actually normally regulates the dopamine receptors. And some people with a certain that that gene are more likely to engage in. Um, risk-taking behaviours. Ah, so it's uh, quite genetic. Some of it is genetic. Yes. You know, you do again, always remember, you do always have the, the frontal, frontal lobes lobe, yes. that can override some of those things. So what I would say is, because um, I don't want anyone listening saying, oh, no, it's my genes. I yeah. can't help it. <laughs> Another excuse. Yeah. yeah, no, it is your genes in that you might have a greater propensity towards it and you may actually okay. have to work harder to remain, you know, you know, faithful or not seek that rush that you get from Isn't those first throws of it, you know, so you might actually have to work harder, but we do always have that capacity of our, our thinking brain to override those, some of those Taking um, all aspects. of that into consideration, okay, how much of attraction is conscious and how much of it is subconscious? Because if you're saying when we see a photograph of somebody that, it, you know, it can spike, um, I think, I don't know what, which one you were saying, I think dopamine, um, it can spi it spike the dopamine, where is the decision? Is there a decision? Because when people come to me, we'll say, um, they tell me the type of person they would like to meet, okay? Yeah. And, you know, some some people might be very, very, very clear on what they're looking for. Other people are saying more it's more of a personality type that they're looking for. Like, where's the line? That's Which a really you interesting feel? question. Um, I think it's really complex. Yes. Um, what research would show is rather interestingly that both men and women would desire um, like there's a variety of features come together, you okay. know, um, and most men are women, men and women would look for kindness. 
Yes, it's my number one. But I always it? say to people, yeah, yeah. I've a number of different characteristics that I say. Kindness is always one, and I always say, don't date someone unless they're kind, because mm-hmm. there's no point. But I mean, kindness naturally, not just kindness when they suit when it suits them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and a, actually, a genuine kindness. Yeah, and kindness has so many health benefits. Actually, yes. you know, for you to be kind. I know we have this hashtag be kind, but it's much more than a be kind. You know, a hashtag. Yes. You actually have to take action. But if you are kind, what's really interesting, if you are kind to someone else, you get reward again, dopamine, you get reward in your brain as if you're the recipient of the kindness. Okay. Do you know? So actually being kind. double benefit. Yeah, yeah. Actually being kind um, is rewarding. And if somebody sees somebody else being kind to someone else, they are more uh, lightly to engage in an act so of kindness. So kindness can be contagious. contagious. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. It's like smiling. You yes. know, if you smile, some, you can spread Somebody the benefits else that someone smiles, else has. Yeah. So kindness, yes, comes up for okay. men and women. Um, intelligence. Yes. Um, dependability. Mm-hmm. Emotional stability. Yes. Healthiness. That kind yes. of probably has an evolutionary thing. In men, it does seem... Now, these are... Look, first of all, this is from research that is mainly conducted on heterosexuals. Yes. Um, these are very broad, very general I understand that. that are also relatively weak. So yes. everybody will have a combination of these, but there's and enough in it for there to be, there'll be the influences of your upbringing, your childhood. And then everybody's different in every different relationship that they have themselves. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's yeah, no, there's no cultures, black and white. Yeah, yes. society, pre- previous yes. relationships you had, all mm-hmm. of those things. But these are just sort of real Overall, sort of broad generic, stroke yes. kind of thing. So broad stroke, again, men tend to... Um, be more attracted by youthfulness and mm-hmm. fertility again that seems to be an evolutionary mm-hmm. um sort of thing which is great when you get older and, yeah. and you're neither going for you. um and then women again very general um maturity and higher socioeconomic status okay. but they are very very broad things uh, you know they are very sort of uh weak and as i mentioned there you know these things are really ill you know, influenced uh, by culture. What's really interesting is, is that some researcher took all of those factors, right? And they were curious to know, well, is kindness more important than intelligence or is youthfulness more important than this, right? So actually they did through like mathematical and scientific computation, they used this Mm -hmm. um, multi- multi-factor modeling okay and they actually discovered that actually no these are all sort of about the same about the same you know not one isn't weighted more than the other they're about the same now that's kind of hard for us to understand because we can only think in three dimensions yes so we can't think in 20 factors and how they could all influence the same but that's what's brilliant about your brain is your brain can actually do that calculation and that's kind of what it's doing it's you know it's doing that calculating kind of bouncing everything on unconsciously I think where conscious attraction or whatever or or what you list as the factors or the features of a potential partner or or date or whatever I think that's much more influenced by society Mm -hmm. and culture and I do think people uh, in a way were you know influenced by and more so even now influenced by you know television magazines social media what's the ideal mate all that sort of thing that people have actually lost touch with their own intrinsic feeling natural 
propensities yes and I mean I've certainly seen it you know on an anecdotal level with people that I know that that have just never found a partner because they had this ideal picture in their head unfortunately I see following. it yeah unfortunately I see it as well like I have clients that you could they would tell you what they're looking for okay and you could get it so close okay like on, on paper and even like I meet every single person so I'm really asking them questions because very often I have someone in mind for them I go down through the extra stuff that I need to ask knowing that I have somebody in mind for them and you know then I could say to them well actually I have someone and it could be you could go through what they have basically said to you this is the person that I would like to send you on a date with and some people and now it's very it's not a huge proportion but some people the very first thing they would say but are they good looking are they attractive like the very next question you see that's like when it comes to attractive, <laughs> that's chemical. That that's within. That's that's within. It you. is. It is absolutely. But I think some people are going towards the. As you were saying, like the the Love Island, the Instagram oh image of it. Yeah, maybe yeah. we shouldn't even mention those words. <laughs> yeah, sorry, apologies. Everybody, just take a glass of water there. Yeah, show. I know. I, I hate it's that. Everything for about so, it for, for, so, for so, many so many reasons. reasons. Everything yes. about it is appalling. It it's is. It is appalling. appalling. But you know the, what I'm. I suppose from my point of view is for some people when they come to me they're like say I send or say I have one guy in my books and this is not one guy I have loads of guys in my books but I'm saying is there's one particular guy I <laughs> know oh, no, I have one particular guy that I sent out last weekend okay yeah. and the last date I sent him on she came back and she said I would absolutely love to date someone like that okay but he's just not my type okay fair enough um, but like everything that she had asked for in a partner and when she described him everything it was pretty much exactly what this guy okay and then the next guy the next lady sorry I sent him out on a date with she came back to me on Monday now they're meeting up again but she came back to me Monday she's like oh my god he is so handsome mm. like I he's exactly what I'm looking for and I'm like how could we be so different yeah. and I look I understand it's the nature of what I do and I, I understand all elements of it but really I've always been fascinated by where is the line but really there probably isn't a line between yeah, conscious well, and subconscious yeah. every person is completely different yeah well I think I think sometimes we we, we scupper ourselves like like, you know, yeah. we, 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 we don't trust our inherent and, and, and we don't actually consciously think about what is influencing what we put down on yes. paper as this is my ideal sort of guy. I mean, what I love about neuroscience is that now that we have the technology and the tools to understand the brain, you know, a little bit, there's still an awful lot to learn, um, is that it often um, supports um, old wives' tales or old sayings, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yes. Do you know? Like, really, you know, it can be. And you see, the thing is, you... I don't know, something can just click and someone... And, and you see, people, people can grow on you too. You know, attraction is about like if you're in a long term relationship like as as I am, you know, there comes a point where you don't see each other in yes. a way anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, I understand that because like, long term relationships. Yes. Yeah, because you're you're connected in so many. You're other united. Ways. You're nearly. T- yeah, you're nearly. At, what, yeah, one. and yes. then sometimes it takes it. You know, you see someone from a distance. You know, like that, and you kind of go, "Oh, you look great today." Do, do you know what I mean? I, 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 so those kind of things they change over time and I, I I think I don't know whether sometimes people expect 
that instant bolt from the blue. Sometimes it happens like that, yes. but sometimes it's a slower burn. Yes. Uh, and sometimes it comes, I mean, ultimately, ultimately that first flush, you know, that doesn't last very long anyway. There's all different levels of the types of love and everything. From a neuro neuroscientist's point of view, um, if you went on a date with someone and you felt chemistry, fair enough. If you didn't feel chemistry on the first date, but they ticked, we'll say, a lot of your other boxes, do you think that someone should go on a, on a second date or third date with them? Well, I'm, I wouldn't be... I, I, I always think with those things, it, it's very individual, but yes. I would always give people... Give it time, you, you know? I tend to recommend three dates. Yeah, yeah. I, I think give time because, like, you know, that everybody's in that first everybody's a bit nervous and you know yeah. you say a few things and and they might be a bit stupid and it just takes a bit of time to get to know someone you know mm -hmm. yes yeah, sometimes you can lock eyes across a room and you know oh. yeah but then you talk to them and you go oh my god what yeah. an idiot or you know, their you accent know. can be completely not what you expected yeah, yeah. exactly and, and I think it's really important to, to 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 highlight the brain is not infallible the brain makes mistakes. So like that, it can make mistakes around, as we've all learned about various things. Essentially, what your brain is doing for everything that you do is it's taking incoming information. It's mixing that with the information that you already have in your brain. And then it's making a, a best guess. Okay. So basically, that's why one person in a way, uh, partly, will see someone as handsome and another person won't see them as handsome. They're influenced by so many things. Like, in a way, there's no... In we don't see no an independent reality. So, so there's people who study like consciousness and, and, <laughs> and the brain. And basically what they'll say is that our brain makes, we actively contribute to our experience of the world, right? So it's really shaped by previous experiences we have information that comes in and your brain kind of makes a bit of a, a guess of it, right? Yes. So that could come out maybe as someone, yes. oh, he's very attractive or oh, mm -hmm. he's not really attractive. Um, and when essentially some of the scientists, the neuroscientists who do research in this area, they say, well, reality is just when two people agree yes. <laughs> of, <laughs> about what their brain's best guess is. Do okay, you know, oh, yes. yes, that person is good looking. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of funny. So your brain can kind of, you know, and your how you interpret reality and how you perceive re relationships can change. And you kind of have a, you have a good amount of control over that. And that applies, I think, also to people who are in relationships who think their relationships might be over, okay. you know, and see, well, you know, we've fallen out of love. How could we possibly fall back in? love again okay but it is possible because I always think long-term relationships are like the figure eight yes. you know you you, you come together Infinity, because that's, you're yeah, that's yeah, symbol, yeah yes. you come together because you are attracted to each other you have loads in common whatever and that usually happens for a lot of people when they're younger but then you're going to continue to grow and mature and that might mean one of you grows one direction and the other grows the yes. other direction and it may feel like you've nothing in common but and some people just give up at that point but actually you can work and then you realize you kind of come back together is it and similar then you to what you were again. saying there a few moments ago about the stress that we should be under we should be kind of always pushing ourselves a little bit more is that kind of the same then with relationships should I you be pushing so. yourself I, I think you, I, I think some I, I relationships think people, get into a rut or they yeah, they forget to 
make each other feel special or they forget, you forget to, to pay attention to, to your relationship yes. you forget you, like you do have to work hard at relationships yes. you know you do um, and I mean I'm sure a lot of people have felt it during lockdown I can't imagine you know I'd say I, I mean I, I definitely have heard of you know two sorts some people where they felt their relationships got stronger Yes. You know, there's nothing worse than being stuck with them and say, I have to really work at this and let's make this work. And then for others, it's like the end. It was, you know, hell and and, and it's over and done with. So um, I think something that I want to say about, you know, I study essentially or what I'm interested in is the relationship between the human brain and our behavior. But right. I think, you know, when people think about behavior, it's how they, they think about how people talk to each other or act in people's company. But thinking is a behavior as well. Okay, so how they think. So how you think yes. um, and the things that you think, um, they are behaviors. So your brain is constantly changing and um, it's your behaviors, your experiences so you and your life choices those. that change it. Okay. Yes, and shape it. So you can choose what you think. So we could potentially choose the type of person that we're attracted to, could we? Well, I, I to an extent now, to make, obviously. You could choose yes. to make something work, okay. I suppose, is is is, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, but uh, it might be missing that little extra spark or something, you know. But um, you see, it's kind of interesting when you are when you are in the throes of that initial attraction mm-hmm. where you do fall madly in love yes. um, you know your frontal lobes your thinking brains um, are, are the, 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 the networks in that part of your brain are dampened down okay <laughs> so, so you actually um, so uh, what can't rationally over? assess is emotions take over what in that emotions yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 yeah, and, and well, I suppose where it comes from is it, it really is again. It, it it's that thing that love is blind, so you yes. don't see. You are viewing the, yes. the, the person with rose tinted glasses I because know. you're not criti- your yeah. your your ability to critically assess them. Yes, is. Um, uh, impaired <laughs> and we were kind of ignoring red flags I often talk about the three stages of love and I can honestly visibly see it when I'm talking to clients so the first stage being the romantic stage with all the chemicals that we're talking about there and the rose tinted glass and everything and then moving on to like a power struggle when oh, that right. tends to we'll say the chemical rose tinted glasses are coming off and all of a sudden you start to realise things like why do I always have to travel to meet them or um you know, I, I'd prefer to do this in the relationship or, you know, why do we always go to the same restaurant that they want to go to and all these things. And it's kind of that kind of stage that a little bit of self-doubt creeps in. You're kind of really starting to see the red flags and everything. And then moving on. Well, they on mightn't be red flags. They no, might but it just might be, be little agreements that need to be adjusted. Or just or, better yeah, communicate. Yeah, yeah. But I think... I very often say to people that have been single for a while, you know, watch out for that. I call it sometimes the six week freak out because they're right. like neither here nor there. So they really start to like someone. And I feel like there's a like a but there's little bits that need to be fixed. That's it. But you don't know them well enough maybe to even have the conversation right. yet. So it's a difficult time is what it is. So say. basically, yeah. So I mentioned lust and and then lust and attraction. You can have obviously both, yes. you know, at the same time. But then we kind of move to a sort of an attachment phase yes which isn't exclusive so lust and attraction are exclusive to romantic relationships okay. or they should be if they're not there's yeah you're yeah. in there's something yeah uh, not even legal going on but okay. but basically <laughs> um attachment 
it, you know, is relevant to all our relationships, friendships, attachment to parents, attachment to children, but it also is relevant to romantic relationships. Yes. So then the chemicals involved in that are oxytocin and vasopressin. So a lot of people may have heard of oxytocin in that it is involved in breastfeeding um, and while you're in labor, uh, but also um, during orgasm and having okay, sex. And that just found, sounds like such a kind of crazy mix a bit of an odd mix it, like when you when you think what they're all used for the same hormone yes absolutely yes, yeah but basically um it's a you know it, it, it's called the the love hormone or the the cuddle hormone basically it's a pre, all of those things it's, it's a precursor to bonding okay so you have it during childbirth so that you will bond with the baby when it's born you have it when you're breastfeeding because breastfeeding can be very painful and demanding etc so you bond with the baby when you're breastfeeding and then you have it um you know when you orgasm so you start to bond with the person that you're having sex is it with. Both male and female. So both male and female get oxytocin okay. released, but women get more. Okay, so that's why. <laughs> so that's kind of that okay. thing, yeah. And, and and that's that kind of thing where yeah, women may want to be cuddled more after, and mm-hmm. um, you know they're 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 feeling oh he doesn't love me because he's fast asleep and snoring you know <laughs> and I think that's where I think neuroscience is really helpful it kind of helps to, to explain know it's not, yeah it's oh not okay them. I just got loads more oxytocin than he yeah. did you know um and, know. and that's interesting but those kind of things um they you know oxytocin and vasopressor they um um, they sort of fuel commitment okay. and they're really necessary for long-term relationships and, and commitment. So you start to bond with the person and I suppose that's when you get into those those phases of you care about each other so you can have those conversations around. Yes. Actually, do you know what? It's an awful trek for me to always have to go to your place. So that person cares about you now yes. and they kind of go, oh, okay, I see that. I hadn't even thought of that. Let's maybe do this. If Perfect. they don't, well then affect them because the kindness isn't there. Yeah, yeah, no, gone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of, um, uh, yeah, and oxytocin also promotes trust mm-hmm. as well. And, and, you know, all good relationships need need to be built on, on, on trust. What happens with, say, OK, you're dating somebody um, or you've met somebody and you what what is happening to your brain when it gets to stage of just, we'll say, being friends to moving it on to more of a sexual relationship? Is there is there like a transition there? Is there something that your body is telling you? I don't really know that we know that. Do you know okay. what I mean? Um, you know, uh, you know. Is it to do with, it's basically to do with reproduction, I would I would. Think. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you're yes. kind of talking lust and the sex drive, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of going to be, it's going to be there, but like we can we can kind of override that most of the time if okay. we, you know if we want to I so mean, there's obviously no we have much really choice. what kind of happens we just don't know it yeah I think what's really is mm. interesting and very important um, and uh, to understand um, is that so your frontal lobes are the ones that can be rational like I always said to my kids when they were growing up if it's a good idea this Saturday night it'll be a good idea next Saturday night so that gives you a chance to actually think about you know, should I sleep with that person or not sleep with that person? Do you, okay. do you know what I mean? Yes. I just, so that's don't, just the way don't I Don't make put it in it. the moment or with a few drinks or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and that's the key. You see, the thing is when you, um, 
when you consume alcohol mm-hmm. or, or drugs or whatever, essentially it switches off your frontal lobes. Okay, so, so you are, yeah, gone. the three okay. Fs. I don't know if you allow people curse on yours, but of course. you know, it's all right. Yeah, everything, yeah, well, it's, everything is allowed to be talked about here. It's feeding, fighting and fucking. Okay. So basically, you know, everything, frontal lobes are switched off and you get down to those base things. Okay. And I mean, you know, yourself, you're drunk. Okay, let's go to the takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, let's have loads of food. And, yeah. the and then if you didn't score. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? And then there's fights and, 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 and you know, and then people sleep with each other, you know, that they okay. maybe hadn't intended to. The rationale or more importantly, without taking precaution, you okay. know, so those kind of things. Um, so I like I think they're really important things to know and understand, particularly when it comes to sexual health. Okay. You know, to kind of understand, I think there's um, and I'm probably getting into political kind of territory here, but I, I think um you know, we've moved to a phase, a phase, particularly for women, you know, yes, we, you know, we should be able to, you know, to decide to have sex when and where we want it or, or whatever, um, rather when we want it, not necessarily where we want it. But um, I think it's important to say that, yeah, maybe there should be a caveat unless there's a lot of alcohol in the in the equation because you're not actually making a decision. Okay. You're just you're behaving. Going Does that make sense? Yes, I, I do. I'm sure yes. that will sound really unpopular, but you're not making a decision. Well, you're I think for saying, a safety I'm point of view, it's no this. harm to even have that and even just have it subconsciously know that, look, you know, if I've a lot of alcohol on board, that's not what I'm going to do. Even knowing that beforehand can sometimes I make th- it I think that can help, yeah. And then slightly decision. before you go out drinking, if you actually say to yourself, I'm going to drink three, that's mm-hmm. it, no more. You have some chance of only having three drinks. So do genetics play a part in our sex lives? and how we feel about sex and who we actually match to. Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of fascinating, really, isn't it? That genetic, your genetic heritage influences the gender you're attracted to and uh, your choice of sex partner. I'm, I can really understand this from being a matchmaker. because really? Yeah, because the type of person that comes to me, I can almost fill in the, the box for the, we'll say, like a lot of people that come to me are looking for long-term real love. So majority of them are also looking because a huge amount of my clients are obviously Irish a huge amount of them are looking to meet someone with a similar upbringing or similar you know speak the same language and and things like that so I'm sure there has to be science involved if that's what I can see from the outside well definitely there is you know there is that you know that your heritage does influence that Um, it also influences you know (laughs) things like how lightly you are to take part in one night stands. Really? Yeah, which I just think that just blows my mind every is it time. Because we're a Catholic country. E- every or time. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, you know, you this know, is actual uh, genetics. This is research. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's what I was talking to you about. It's that. It's that. It's that particular gene. Okay. So that's section. That's about risk taking. Okay. So it's people who have that 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 gene are more likely to take. Um, a little bit more a little bit more risk so like and, have, and get that thrill have a one night stand have an affair those yeah, sorts and of infidelity yeah yeah yes. and they kind of say there's three big emotional elements to that like one is the dopamine rush you know okay. the high that they get from taking a risk whereas some of us would say Ooh! Yeah. Others go. Oh, yeah. That'd be really risky. That would be, you know, add to the kind of excitement. Like the 
the thrill. Yeah. So there's substantial rewards, you know, okay. we won't go into the detail of that. Yes. <laughs> and then Oxytocin, there's, yes. n- there's numerous ways for it to pay off. So I, I don't even understand that myself because I'm not, I wouldn't be that risk taker kind of person. But yeah, and and, and um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, I do think what you're saying though about, I, I think it's slightly different what you've asked me about people wanting someone, you know, from the you know, the same background or speaking mm-hmm. the same language or whatever. I don't think that's so much genetic uh, influence. I, okay. I think that's really more about commonalities. Okay. You know, we're more likely to find things in common, we're more likely to have things to okay. talk to about. Make it a little bit easier. We're more likely to have shared okay. interests. We're, you know, we're more likely to have but safer also, options. Yeah. yeah, but also partly, you know, it could be related to oxytocin as well because that's kind of a bonding thing. Okay. So, and, and there's a little bit of danger there. So if you kind of have too much oxytocin and too much bonding, it can kind of lead to prejudice. Okay. Do you know? In what sense? Well, in that, you know, we're bonded, we'll say, for argument's sake, to, you know, white Irish people. Okay. You know, so we feel a connection, we feel a bonding, but we're not bonded to, we'll say, Polish people or, you know, people okay. who've come here from, uh, pick any country in the world or any Because of any the amount religion. of people we've met through our lifetime? No, or it's, it, it, it just might genetic. be that bonding thing. Okay. So we always, we're always dealing with biases anyway. So okay. we have unconscious biases. So they also happen in the part of your brain, um, the, the limbic system, which is where your amygdala is housed as well. Yes. Um, and we have lots of unconscious bias. We're aware of unconscious bias in terms of gender and in terms of uh, racism but we have unconscious biases pretty much about everything about ourselves as well mm-hmm. and about how attractive we are and 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 all sorts of different things so we will we will always be battling an on that unconscious bias of in-group and out-group mm-hmm. you know we're, we're white Irish you know yes. they are so that's an, once you get into an us and them and there's an unconscious yeah, like unconscious yeah yeah you say yes. subconscious but it's unconscious okay. so again the same thing is you have a conscious brain okay. a rational brain that can actually override that okay. those unconscious behaviours they're only there to save a purpose every every behaviour we have um, serves some sort of purpose that's why it's evolved so that would be there for example going back from an evolutionary perspective so that at a distance you can judge is that someone part of our tribe or is it another tribe does that mean okay. they may be coming to attack us or not so that's why okay. those kind of things have, have so we survived can teach so ourselves. we can override yeah, that okay. oh yeah yeah we have complete control to override that oh, so again that's something that maybe people might consider broadening their horizons they might actually find somebody outside of that group much more interesting you know fantastic. so there's that yes. things that that you know um for some people, it's the similarity. For yes. other, it's opposites attract. Some, you know, sometimes it's lock yes. and key. You know, and it's that balance, that yin and yang. I mean, it, it's it's different for everybody. And I think we're all so different, and all our brains, while they operate fundamentally in the same sort of way, they are all shaped by our experience, etc. So for somebody, you know, the comfort of you know, knowing and understanding and yeah, knowing some someone's background me, and the they familiarity. Want to meet someone very, like that like their very dad, even it sounds, really, yeah. it sounds really think, weird. Well, yeah, but of course. Or they live in the very close, but yeah, like your dad or like someone that lives close to you or something. Yeah, like and that. for other people, they like a little bit of what mystery. sounds exotic or yes. mystery, or and I don't mean those in any sort of judgmental no, way I or know, any I, I, I you know, non PC way, but actually 
previously like you know I've obviously dated a few people throughout my lifetime and like I dated an Irish farmer at one stage and lived the life on the farm you know during calving season and silage and everything like that and I remember thinking to myself you know this possibly isn't for me and I remember sitting down and doing out my who I'd like to meet next kind of situation oh, really? you know yeah and I did and I kind of thought you know what do I really want from life and yeah. you know if that didn't work out what am I looking for for myself so the next guy that I dated was from Germany right. now I'd never been to Germany I didn't speak a word of German and like to be honest our upbringing was probably more similar than the gentleman that I had dated you know from that was the farmer yeah, yeah. For, that was the farmer and was from Ireland and really typical Irish and like I loved the adventure of it I loved like our third date I went over to Munich and stuff you know the adventure of it and so I can understand what you're saying there and now I would definitely think even even after dating him they my mind was way more open to who you could meet and yeah, you know, I, and who that I would be happy to date. And it's funny, sometimes you just need to go outside your own box. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because the brain thrives, as I said, on on novelty. Yes. Um, you know, newness, yes. new things. And, and, and that's because your brain is actually constantly looking to create patterns. It's mm-hmm. the most efficient way that your brain can work, right? So your yes. brain has limited resources um, uh, of energy, the thinking part of your brain. And so it wants um, routines and patterns of behaviours that it can automate that 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 kind of way but paradoxically it needs more new information in order to identify patterns oh okay yes. <laughs> do, do you know it sounds, yeah, sounds paradoxical but, I understand but that you just you need more information yeah. so actually you know if you are dating if you are looking for Miss Right or, 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 or Mr. Right the more people you sample in a way that sounds awful but you know what I mean I the more experiences you have the better of a decision you can make because you can kind of go oh no, I really didn't like that. Oh, oh, I was like you just yes. said, I was really pleasantly surprised going out with someone yes. from another country, you know. Yeah, so that will gradually like you, what you find attractive is going to evolve and change, you know, as you evolve and change. And absolutely. I see a lot of clients that come to me. They're like, I definitely know what I don't want. And I'm like, no, let's focus on the positives, <laughs> you know, but their checklist for what they don't want is very often longer than than what they are looking for. And obviously I, I tend to focus on the positives, but um you don't know you don't even know yourself because you're going to be different with each person that you're with and each person you're dating so it is going to bring you on a journey and perhaps you learn a little bit more about yourself as well yeah and I think it's surprising you know I mean I do think it's rather interesting as well that that you know if you're open and you don't put barriers Mm -hmm. up you can be surprised as you do discover like people end up marrying you know somebody that they never would have expected to and in fact my husband looks nothing like my ideal man you know from when I was back there you know what I mean because I've had clients that have said to me look this is what I'm looking for and um one particular client he told me exactly what he's looking for and it was only a few weeks ago that I rang him and he was after meeting someone during lockdown and it's funny I'm not supposed to know but I actually don't do know the girl the lady that he's dating now which is funny I kind of guessed who she was um but like I'd said to him, tell me a little bit about her. And from him telling me that I was like, oh, she's another client. It's funny, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. But, but I, in my own mind, I was like, I would have set them up on a date. When he had told me, I definitely don't want don't to want date. X, Y, Z. Yeah. Why are people, you know, attracted? Like, the 
why do they may sometimes go for the, a different person to what I think they we think? just I, I do think it's putting limits on ourselves and I, I, I think being open I suppose I, I think there's probably a number of reasons from that there's fear probably you mm-hmm. know fear of taking risk um, there's probably influences from family you know oh god yes. my parents would go insane if I dated a farmer or if I didn't yeah. date a doctor or a professional like there's just so many factors Outside and, voices, and, and yeah. that's why I think you know becoming aware of what those factors are might actually sort of open doors up a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit more from you and I think I think sometimes when it comes to these things people overthink that can overthink and yes. um or focus on and excuse my French but the superficial bullshit mm. the stuff that's really irrelevant to life like we're talking about one of the key things when you meet someone is kindness yeah and sometimes they're focusing on hair color you know when like let's face it we're all going to probably end up some shade of grey at some stage you know so yeah, you know no. how important is it and, and you know it's funny I was just thinking that myself you know and, and, and I think this is something that's really important I think for for, for um, men to hear is that you know probably one of the, the key reasons I I suppose fell in love with my husband and we had a very strong attraction I married my soccer manager so oh, very good. <laughs> um, but but um, He's just a really kind person, you know. Now, I didn't articulate that in my head, but just a good person. Or you might even say something bland, like he's just a really nice person. Now, I think there's this horrible misconception out there that women like bad guys and that, you know, oh, I'm just a nice guy. Nobody's ever going to want me. A nice guy can sometimes be almost negative you know yeah yeah, yeah I do oh, think that's just, happened. too nice but yeah, that's what I think would this. be fabulous for any kind of guys listening to this yes. podcast is that hey the research shows that yes. one of the very first things that men and women want is kindness yes. um so don't throw away that kind of nice guy I do think that it's I think part of that comes from when we're in our teens our brain is developing the teenage brain is going through a huge period of, of yes. development and reshaping and the frontal lobes are the last to develop and also again the brain needs to learn so uh, it's a real sensation seeking um, period of time it's also a period of time where um, uh, teens take risks and they don't learn from mistakes that's why they really need parenting like honestly we shouldn't be yeah. let, you know they need guidance and we're only kind of finding our feet at that stage yeah, yeah. so I think at that stage I think girls can be drawn to the bad boy mm-hmm. or that because part of it is a bit of rebellion and you know yeah. oh my mum would go mad with him we all like to push he? the limits and you know, kind of pushing the limits yeah but I think with time for, for, for most people you know they kind of get over that and realise unfortunately for some then where there is this sort of imbalance you can get you know a kind of unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. and that's where you get into sort of you know abusive relationships and okay. and things like that where uh, yeah yeah that's a whole other a whole other um kind of thing can i ask you i have clients of all ages but we'll say sex with older people is very rarely talked about which but you know is very unfair um what is your view on that about older people yes. having sex, I, I, it's something I feel very strongly about. I'm very, um, yeah. very pas- passionate about tackling ageism, and I think that um, there's not the same level of acceptance, uh, to put it politely, really in terms and of I having sex. That's why I do this podcast. Is actually talking about stuff like single people and finance is not very talked about so like that as well sex and older people things like that I think oh, it's very it, important it, it, that we it's talk awful. about it it's because just, it'll be all of us you know yeah 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 exactly when you talk about older people it's you when you're older so yeah. that's often what I do say if I'm giving talks around that and mm-hmm. say me when I'm older you know I, yeah. I don't want xyz now probably some young people will think I'm already ancient you know
know, and would be horrified to think that I might actually have a sex life. But that's the problem, you know. It's, it's important, it, it, though. And I think it mirrors, I think it actually mirrors the invisibility of older people in in wider society yeah yeah you know we don't see enough older people on television we don't see enough of them you know on in magazines on instagram there's research done that asks younger people what they think about older people having sex okay Mm. and because of political correctness most of them will respond appropriately and say of course there's nothing wrong with yes. that it's explicitly they give the right answer but then you can do these you can do these studies where you see what the implicit response is okay. so implicitly they think it's disgusting so I, I think if people can't imagine older people having sex because you see they're not attractive they're you know sex is presented to us um, as something that's for young people also there's that uh, there's that misconception that sex is just about reproduction inherently underneath okay. it so that yeah. if you're past reproductive stage do you, you know what I mean yes. um, um, that older people are unattractive um, you know I just think there's there's so much going on and, um, and you know another thing around this is that we don't talk openly about sex um, and um, you know that's kind of crazy really because it's a very very important part of our lives and pretty much everything else in your life you get guidance, you're shown, you you know, your parents help you to learn how to walk. They give you advice about how to eat. They teach you how to eat. But nobody teaches you how to date or sex. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things, they're kind of, they're a bit, they're a bit taboo and they're not easy to kind of talk about. I mean, I certainly, it's so funny, I have two sons and, and I spoke openly about it, you know, at, at the dinner table yes. and they'd be saying one of them would be saying mom we're having dinner you know and the other yeah. one saying so don't you don't the other would be saying you don't actually have to imagine it Darren yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> but basically you know and, and that was my argument where I was saying look you know having sex is no different to eating it's a human behaviour it's part of who we are and, and part of what we do and I, I suppose the message I was giving across at that point is that you know you you have to be careful around what you eat you know that's yes. important for your health and and yeah. similarly you know around having sex you have to be careful and make appropriate decisions because it can impact on your physical health yes, and it can impact absolutely. on your mental health or it can change your life in terms of you know having a baby you know if, if you're kind of not ready to it and I, I do think we need more more open discussion of that we also need to address the gender biases that parents have mm-hmm. that's pretty horrific you know they will they, they you know a lot of young parents even are perpetuating that that you know it's all right for you know teenagers you know oh yeah go and yeah. oh how many girls did you kiss tonight or whatever but it would be horrific for their daughter and they may not even let their daughter go on dates at the same age well I just think well hold on a second you know if you're saying it's okay for him to kind of you know kiss several girls well they're someone else's daughter and vice versa very good (laughs) you know so just overall with say from a neuroscience point of view is there any kind of tips you could give people that are starting out on their dating journey from a neuroscience point of view. Just to help with their dating, we'll say, overall. I think to just really ag- acknowledge that you have different parts to your brain, in a way. Yes. Um, essentially, you have three brains okay. um, that evolved over time. Uh, the, the first part of your brain um, to evolve was, is your brainstem, okay? Yes. That's called the reptilian brain. Now, believe it or not, that actually plays a role in sex. Okay. <laughs> it actually unconsciously controls the movements that you make while you're having sex. Oh, okay. Wow. Right? Yes. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Um, also, your brain controls, it, it controls whether you're... Uh, uh, 
a left leaner or a right leaner okay. uh, in terms of kissing. Okay. Um, but uh, then the, ne- the next part of your brain to evolve is the emotional part of the brain, the limbic part of the brain, and that's unconscious as well. And that can certainly be influencing and driving some of the things you're, you're thinking about, etc. And then there's the thinking part of your brain. And I think it is, again, it's about finding balance. It's about not overthinking stuff, but also not letting your fear centers override and prevent you from doing things and, and embrace it, you know em- thinking of what like you were saying there a lot of the stuff we do is unconscious so maybe even thinking about why we choose the type of people we like to date I think that yeah overall, maybe actually thinking overall actually do I why. really yes. want someone who's six foot tall and dark or you know do yes, I really do. want X, Y no but you know <laughs> Sorry, what I mean that's another question <laughs> Um, but but yeah, I do think that's there's no harm in actually questioning why you decided this is what yes. you want, and and you know it could be that yeah yeah you, you know you fell in love with the boy at fifteen and you know yes. across the way you know unrec- you know you admired yeah. from a distance and you think that's the only sort of a person that you could be attracted to and that Perfect. could be a, a load of rubbish well thank you so much Sabina for chatting with us um, there's so much information there um, I think there's everybody would get a huge amount so Sabina where can people find you um, online they can find me on Instagram at Sabina Brennan on Twitter at Sabina underscore Brennan and if they want to get in touch and find information about my book and my pod, Superbrain podcast they can visit superbrain.ie Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks a million. You have been listening to Would Like to Meet podcast with me, your host, Mairead Lachman. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you are single or you know anyone that is single and would like to meet their someone special, get in touch with us and we would be delighted to chat to you about our matchmaking service, dating masterclass and our dating events at Table for Six. Visit us at lovehq.ie and follow us on Instagram for simple yet powerful dating advice. And remember, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would leave us a nice rating and review. Thank you.